Welcome to the Radio Bold News Pod. I'm Mike Sakel with timely conversations for Sullivan and the Catskills and beyond. This is 2022, the year in review. I'm Mike Sakel for Radio Bold News. Joined today with uh, Joseph Abraham. He is the managing editor of the Sullivan County Democrat. And uh, Liam Mayo, who is uh, with the River Reporter. We're here to discuss some of the bigger topics of 2022. It's been quite a year. I guess we say that every year. Uh, it, it really has been a complex year between the Sullivan County Legislature. There's always a lot to talk about there. This was a big election year and an election year that involved complicated redistricting. Some other projects on the drawing board, many projects on the drawing board through the Sullivan County Airport, SUNY Sullivan getting started to put together a large-scale project for a sports complex and uh, many other projects in the works throughout Sullivan County. So let's get started with the legislature. There's always a lot there. Joe Abraham, you were, uh, you and I were chatting just before we got started here, uh, talking about the fact that you know there's still a lot of friction there, although the legislature, for the most part, has been getting a lot done. What are your thoughts on the legislature for 2022? I think it was an interesting year for them. Um, they have been sort of have been divided through this whole three years now. Um, they're all up for re-election next November, which will be a next, which will be a big topic of the next year in review that is done. Yeah, of the group that's sort of divided, um, you know, it started I guess uh, when the year began. They had to reorganize, as the legislature does halfway through all terms. And uh, Chairman Doherty was uh, re-elected by his peers as chairman of the legislature uh, and uh, by a 5-4 vote. And, uh, you know, as far as good things, I would say that that has been notable in the county um, this past year uh, is uh, the chairman noted many times about the financial stability of the county as a whole. Um, it is in good fiscal shape. Uh, they've gotten good remarks for that. They recently got all union contracts settled with county employees, which they said was the first time in its history that they've ever had uh, settled those contracts with years like left on the deals um, because that'll give them some financial stability you know, moving forward, knowing how much money is needs to be allocated for certain things. Uh, there has been investment in various things. The airport county airport continues to get a lot of state grants uh, which and federal grants which have helped to I think the airport superintendent had mentioned to me recently that they pretty much redid the whole airport within like five years at this point with all right. the different upgrades right. and stuff you know Hot Zola Air opened up a hangar there which is now functional uh, there's a helicopter charter service which is currently looking there I don't have the finalized fuel sales they had already skyrocketed past last year's totals in August. So we do know that, that a new mark will be set there. Uh, Move Sullivan, you know, the, the, the bus system, there's more investment there yep. from the county. They now have four routes as opposed to two. Uh, and then one thing I know you were talking a lot in our pre-meeting about was the Sullivan Promise Scholarship. So currently the legislature was funding a certain amount of money for uh, area uh, high school students when they graduated if they wished to Tenson Sullivan, that they would have it uh, as long as they met the parameters of some GPA requirements and stuff, uh, they would get a full year's tuition covered in a degree program. And, and that uh, the was legis- expanded recently. Yeah, but the legislature is passing the budget for next year. They added in funding so that two years now will be covered. So that'll be a big investment. 
uh, in the future of the youth. And so that, those are what I would say are, are some of the big highlights as far as the um, good things that were there. Um, the friction, like I said, as far as the divided legislature still exists, two of the big fights were uh, the county, just like the state, and I know we'll probably touch on the state a little later, um, had to redistrict. Right. Uh, redistricting process, uh, you know, it was always a contentious one. Like I said, I don't think I've ever witnessed a redistricting process where everyone's ever really been happy and saying kumbaya or whatnot. But uh, during the process, uh, Ira Steingart, the minority leader, actually challenged whether or not, because they had said it as legislature, we're not going to have any contact with the map maker. The map maker is going to talk to Josh. We've set this parameter as a whole, uh, you know, and he's just going to come out with these maps and then we'll make a decision. But after they came out, based on, I guess, some of what they were seeing, our Steingart had challenged, you know, whether or not people yeah. were following yeah. that and actually were adhering to that. And um, so that was, that led to some contentious debates between him and Chairman Mark Doherty. Um, and then the last, re- most recent big fight was... Um, there's a bed tax committee the county has with money that they get from bed tax, and they haven't decided what to do with the tourism monies that um, are sort of sitting there currently. And that's but, been going on for a very long time. I mean, that there's money, there's talk about money from 2020, I believe it is, at least over the last couple of seasons, that really just has not been allocated yet because apparently a system really isn't in place. Sure, so, yeah, and it's... Yeah. It, so, and, Really, they're supposed to have a steering committee that's supposed to, which is the the chairman of the legislature, the minority leader, the majority leader, the vice chair, and they were going to add Nadia in as a river town, uh, you know, legislator for that area. Right. But there was a whole contentious debate as far as the other big fight, I would say, of the year that they had, or a debate between Chairman Doherty and, and Ira was, um, Ira had brought forth that he didn't think Alan Sorensen, the majority leader, should serve on this committee even though he is the majority leader and would be steering committee and part of it because he's a uh, planning commissioner in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he saw that as a conflict of interest. Alan eventually decided, I'm just going to recuse myself. Uh, and then Doherty uh, decided then, you know, to point out to Ira, you know, well, because you're chair of the planning committee, you serve on the SCBA board. The Religious Association board is an ex officio non-voting member, but so he was claiming, you know, that Ira should step off the committee. So there was a whole back and forth about that. So to my knowledge, they haven't really met further beyond that. But, you know, that'll be something to watch going into next year. Um, is the legislature making progress simply because it seems like Chairman Doherty is locked in that 5-4 vote? It seems to be that there's still a lot of contentious debate, and yet many of these many of these votes in the end usually go the majority's way. And yeah, I think they've been tight in some cases. I think, though, when you look at, like, the Move Sullivan stuff, the Sullivan Promise scholarship stuff, the union contract stuff, I think in those cases, those votes tend to be a little more unanimous or, or yeah, close yeah. to But th- there have been some votes that have been, um, have been tight. But, you know... Um, but yeah, to your point, that's interesting. You know, there's, there's there's also debates constantly between the current regime versus members of the legislature that were on previous legislative bodies oh, yes. about who who to take credit for why we're in the certain spots that we're in. So that's up for debate as always. But um, but that's uh, but that's part of that. And then I know Liam and I were doing some coverage with some of the trash areas in the uh, in the county and. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll pass it over to Liam on that one to start. I would definitely like to do that because uh, 
Leah Mayo from the River Reporter. You you have been covering a lot of the environmental issues, and I know that's that's something that you're involved in on on that beat, so to speak. And uh, this is kind of a complicated subject because there is an issue, uh, there is a deadline of sorts in which the trash uh, in Sullivan County will have to go elsewhere or somehow be removed. I mean, it's a pretty serious issue. And there is a distinct timeline to this, especially when it comes to a lot of the New York State DEC regulations and whatnot. So speak to us a little bit about what the situation is there. Yeah, so the situation with trash, and like you said, the timeline is within the next couple of years, Seneca Meadows Landfill, which is where Sullivan County currently ships its trash, is due to run out of room. And with the way the DEC currently is and with New York State's environmental regulations the way they currently are, it seems unlikely at this point that there will be any kind of extension granted. Um, Or at least that's not something Sullivan County can count on. So the county has started looking at other alternatives for what to do with its trash. And this company named Hughes Energy has come in and presented itself as one of the possible alternatives. It's a company that um, is developing a steam autoclave technology where it takes trash, mostly organic waste, puts it through this pressurized heated steam autoclave system. It pressurizes the material, heats it, and what's left out of the organic material is this kind of fibrous substance that it wants to try and use in a number of ways. It could be cardboard, it could be biofuel, um, so it and the pitch it has for Sullivan County is that it can like reduce the amount it has to send to landfills. Like if all of the organic waste is going to Hughes Energy, and Hughes Energy will then use the fiber that comes out of that for its own purposes, all Sullivan County has to deal with is the non-organic material, and it could try and put that in a smaller regional landfill or do something with it that but it, but it makes that process a lot easier now the the issue here is that Hughes Energy is is actually looking at starting on a on a small scale as really essentially an, an R&D project they're looking to to come into a space that's that's available at the county landfill right now and begin a process that could eventually lead to a larger operation correct Correct. And I think some of the concerns that advocates have raised is this isn't a proven technology. Right. Whether, whether or not it works can be debated. There's been a lot of research into it or been some research into it. And of course, Hughes Energy will point to certain things to claim it as a success. People who are opposing the project will point to certain things to claim it as a failure. But this isn't like a proven technology that has a wonderful track record for people to point at. Even if Hughes does build a full-sized facility, this would still kind of be a technology that is in the R&D stage. And it's been going to a bunch of different communities in New York trying to get permission to build some kind of facility 
and so far it hasn't found success anywhere in New York State. Right, right. There is a similar so, project in, in Delaware County, and I believe the community there um, is, is still trying to work that out, or I'm not sure if they decided not to invite them in, but it, it's still in the process of getting its approvals. Yeah, and one of just one of the things that the Hughes Energy representatives who presented before the county said is no one in no other counties they've talked to want to be sort of the first mover. So mm-hmm. even if this technology works, even if you sort of buy what Hughes is selling, it would still be a risk for the county. And I think that's something the county will continue to deliberate on going into 2023. So where does it stand right now? It's been tabled and it continues to appear on full board agendas uh, because once you table it until action is made on it, it has to keep coming back. So they continue to not act on it currently. And correct me if I'm wrong about this, Joe, but I believe the legislature talked about like having some kind of committee to continue to explore the alternatives with trash. So even though there's not movement being currently made like in the open halls of the legislature's meetings, they're still discussing it sort of amongst themselves and amongst Sullivan County's um, departments. And I guess the main yeah. issue the main issue is that the county will still have to make some sort of decision whether Hughes Energy is is part of that or not. It's uh, it's an issue that again, as we said at the beginning of this discussion uh, will need to be solved within the course of the next two or three years uh, as per DEC regulations and the closing of the current the current landfill where we're shipping most of our waste. Yeah, and uh, the price of shipping the waste is going to go up about threefold, so, um, right. which you know, is also a concern that has been expressed. Let's talk about the election. Uh, <laughs> redistricting we touched on earlier, Joe, but Let's uh, even on the federal level, we had our conge- congressional districts reworked. Uh, the state senate districts were reworked. It, it made for really some changes in the direction, even mid-campaign for many of the candidates. Uh, but somehow we got through it, and this November's election. But there are a lot of changes on the horizon for 2023. Yeah, I mean. So I don't think you, me, and Liam have ever looked at a map probably more than we've had to do in the last year. I mean, there was mm-hmm. when it, when the when the first when the state came out with their initial redistricting, it had us moving from the 19th to the 17th congressional district. Uh, you know, it didn't really affect the state senate and state assembly districts for us too much. Um, our district in the senate sort of moved a little bit more out of Orange and Ulster and into like Delaware County. Uh, but Martucci was still slated to be our representative. Right. Uh, but so, and Wonder Jones was going to be our representative in the New York 17 if he was reelected. But then, of course, it was challenged at the uh, in court. Uh, it was ruled that you know there was it was not done properly by the Democrats as far as adhering to rules that they had all kind of agreed upon um, the legislature years prior. So it all kind of got thrown out, and a court-appointed special master uh, redid the maps. And then once again, it changed everything. So we were back in the 19th congressional district. Uh, so then 
we had that race going on. Martucci was sort of district out of Sullivan to the point where he'd have to run against James Scoofus. There's I don't know if I pronounced the name correctly, um, who was considered a friend and also was a very well established candidate over in Orange County. So based on all that that was happening, um, you know, Senator Martucci had decided not to run for re-election. Um, and then once again, the assembly wasn't affected too much. Although I've heard reports that the court recently acted on the assembly, so at some point I think they're going to redo the assembly districts in the state. Yeah, but Liam, I guess we'll chat on that. Yeah, the um, I, I've been looking at the proposed assembly maps for that the independent redistricting committee has come out with, and. I think the most significant one for Sullivan County is Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther's district, the yeah. 100th Assembly District. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell from the maps, um, again, it's a little hard to decipher, so take this with a grain of salt. Her district, it, or the redistricting, would take her out of Middletown in Orange County, sort of align her borders a little more closely with what is currently Sullivan County and then put her a little up into the Catskills region. I believe she she would cover even, I believe, most of Ulster County and uh, and the 101st Assembly District would disappear for our region. That's that little sliver of Assembly District which represents Neversink. Yeah. And that and the town of Fremont currently, under the current redistricting, now has a separate uh, assembly representative, Joe Angelino, which is mostly Delaware County that he does, but but that they have now, which is interesting, because before it, we had only two different right. assembly representatives. Now we have three different, but only two. So 13 townships, I believe, are represented by the assembly when we got there. Um, and then there's one by Brian Morrow, just got, our mayor, that just got elected out of uh, Montgomery, who was the town of Montgomery supervisor to do the 101st district. And Joe Angelino run on a post, but but yeah, so so that was a it was a very contentious issue this year and, and very confusing. I know having to write about. In fact, you know, mentioning Mundare, he was supposed to be our seventeenth person after the redistricting. There, he ended up getting, I guess, pushed out of his own race, and then he went to try to primary for one down in the city, I think, and then that didn't work out. So I don't think he's. Yeah, he was covering. Yeah. He was primarily in the Westchester area, but then was moved somewhat south. He he did try to primary in essentially in New York City. I don't know if it was in in the Bronx or in, in that the districts down there. I'm I'm not that familiar with all the New York City districts. Yeah, one of one of the boroughs for sure. But yeah, yeah it was just amazing though when you think about it though how they really affected people's political directions. And as far as I know, one of the reasons he got pushed out was because uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, who is currently serving in the 18th district, wanted to try and run in the new 17th district, and he had more sway politically, so he was able to push Mondaire out. And then but he ended up losing that race in the general election. So, But as far as the districts uh, represented within Sullivan County, we have a new state senator within the new 51st uh, state senate district, Peter Oberacker, and uh, Assemblywoman Aileen Gunther actually had an opponent this year from Lisa Labou uh, out of the Middletown area, but uh, still ran a, a successful campaign, had a lot of support, obviously, as the incumbent. Could I jump in quick yes, just to wrap yeah. up the 19th? Yes. 
Well, so one of the things that further complicated the election for Sullivan County was the fact that Antonio Delgado, who was our New York 19 representative, got chosen to be New York's next lieutenant governor, which triggered a special election race under the old maps. So yes, we had uh, Representative Pat Ryan win the special election versus Mark Molinaro, and then Mark Molinaro ran again in the general election, while Pat Ryan went over to New York 18 and ran in that general election. Um, that, was very, yeah, that was a very confusing primary, and you yeah. know, the whole point was to remind people that there's both a primary election and a special election at that point yes. for, uh, for Antonio Delgado. Moving yes. on to his position as lieutenant governor. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, looking at the Catskills region, um, we've been pushing in recent years to kind of build on momentum with the economy. So there's been some big projects that have been proposed. I know one is in Liam's territory uh, with FIMFO down in, in Highland. Um, I know I can briefly touch on the town of Neversink. Uh, there was a project called Carrylands that was proposed, a Swiss developer uh, who had the land and his family for generations decided he wanted to do something with that land um, and sort of presented two options that would happen. One is what he would like to see happen, which would have been sort of this more uh, bigger development that would have like sustainability aspects, would have ski trails and that um, healthy living sort of promoting there. And then the other option was if he couldn't get the zoning changes that he required from the uh, town, then he would just build some residential unit lots. Mm -hmm. So uh, a large component of the community came out opposed to the project because of concerns about environmental you know, effects of, of what was being presented there. Um, and there was a lot of a few public hearings, uh, some pushback, and ultimately the town of Neversink had decided that uh, you know they don't believe that the project, not the residential unit one, but the other project that was proposed fit within the town's master plan. Right. And Liam, you okay. can speak to the project over in Highland too, because that also involved a lot of pushback uh, from what was a major project, including, uh, I guess it was a roller coaster of some kind or something uh, being put together, uh, kind of being pared down. And, and I believe the process is still, there's still some back and forth as to what the final project will look like. Am I correct? Yes. Um, to, to be fair to the developers, they continued to insist that it was not a roller coaster, but a mountain coaster, which was like completely gravity powered and natural. But they did okay, end yeah, up cutting back yeah. from the project because people protested against it. And I think the um, two major the two major concerns seemed to me, at least from the the reporting that came about, and I read reports from both yourself and and from Joe, uh, water was a big issue, and of course noise. Was, was a very big issue, especially when it came to this mountain coaster. Yes. Um, so to recap for people who maybe haven't heard of this, um, the uh, this company called Northgate Resorts operates campgrounds and resorts across the country. And they came in, they bought Kittatinny Canoes, which is a campground in Berryville, mm -hmm. and they want to turn it into this project called Camp Finfo. Fun is more fun outdoors which would be like an upscale family resort type thing where it's less you pull up and you pitch a tent and more you pull up, your cabin is waiting for you. You can play in the splash pool. You can 
have a very like low key family vacation. Mm -hmm. And their pitch to the town is one, the water concerns that you talked about where the, um, the current septic systems at the site are pretty old and outdated and they need an update. So they were pitching the town major upgrades to those systems. Uh, there's been a little pushback from the community about like whether those are the appropriate systems to use. Um, but all in all, they seem all right, or at least upgrades to what's currently there. Um, but the other thing that I think people are really concerned about is they're pushing this as the future of camping. They're pushing that the future of camping is you pull up to a site and you have your cabin ready for you. And it's like, I think more of an upscale thing. Gl- glamping, and, glamping is more the terminology these days. And Yes. Yeah. Weirdly enough, that term isn't getting thrown around much for FIMFO, but yeah. I think it's accurate um, to a certain extent. Fun is more um, fun outside, though. So. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people in Berryville are very concerned about that because that would be a major upscaling and a major um, development at that site. It would really potentially change the nature of that community. Mm-hmm. And there's the potential for it to reduce noise. There's the potential for it to have benefits, but it is a major process and people are concerned about the environmental impacts it'll have about basically the, the change it would make on what is a fairly small community along the Delaware river. And uh, I, I know there's several other projects on the drawing board as well, and I guess this is this is the constant issue between communities, officials themselves, and, and those that are involved in economic development that would like to see more coming in as opposed to, you know, projects that are being rejected and, and uh, it, it seems to be a constant battle. There has been a lot of positive, and over the course of the last year, we've heard about several projects moving forward. And uh, I know, Joe, you could speak to some of that as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Avon Park seems to be moving forward, which is a warehouse space out in Rock Hill. There's a warehouse that's uh, moving along in Liberty off of uh, the uh, Ferndale, sort of out that direction, on Route 17 corridor. So those are not as exciting as, say, a on the surface as a uh, amusement place that has a mountain coaster. But it's um, but important as far as economic leaders trying to diversify the economy. How about other manufacturing projects and all? You know, we hear about potential projects a lot, especially when uh, we're at the legislative meetings and you see uh, Mark Baez from the Partnership for Economic Development talking about a lot of uh, upcoming potential projects. Uh, what, what else is on the drawing board as we look forward to 2023? You know, some of the ones we mentioned, I think in Never Sink, you have to see what's going to happen with the carry lands development, because even though I had mentioned that, you know, they're going to go the residential unit route, I know there's still some people that are providing some pushback against even that. Um, the planning, it's still in the planning processes, mm. but I, I just think that that's the direction now that they're going to have to, they're trying to move forward in as far as going that route. And it just depends if that'll get everything it needs. And, mm. um, but there's always a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, I know that there was, I know Apple Ice is doing some uh, expansion plans at the old Apollo property. Um, so there, That the, would be interesting push- to see. That's a, that's a property that's been sitting there for many, many years, and people are always asking about that. And it would seem to be in a prime location just outside yeah. the Resorts World, Catskills. And, of course, anybody who takes on that project would have a, 
a major expense in ripping down the, the former Apollo Plaza. And I believe, if memory serves me correct, uh, one of the issues that came up originally many years ago is that there's asbestos there. So, you know, asbestos removal also becomes a much more expensive proposition for anybody who would take on that project. Yeah, environmental stuff, it seems there needs to be quite a bit of work with that. But I know that, um, but it seems like that project, Applewise, is moving forward. But like I said, it seems like this push, like, you know, there's always been this debate in Sullivan County about tourism, right? which is obviously still the big driver of the economy. And there's a large group of people that feel like, you know, listen, you uh, continue to support, you know, the hand that feeds you, right? Like continue to try to push that and, and, and adopt that narrative. But then there's also the, the, the town aspect where people are looking at rateables and, and wanting to get in more of these year-round businesses that might not be, say, as attractive on the surface as a you know a resort or whatnot, but still having, you know, helping to, to keep the economy going, year-round job opportunities and that, and that nature. So I'm sure there's a lot of projects to continue to watch. I know um, our county continues to perform quite well as far as year-over-year private sector job growth. I think we've been leading um, the region for a while um, as far as fastest growth. How about tourism? And as we wind down here, you know, we should talk about that because as you you mentioned, uh, Joe, that it is our primary economic driver here in Sullivan County. The Sullivan County or Sullivan Catskills Visitors Association recently had their big uh, meeting and gala event, kind of celebrating tourism here. Uh, it does seem to still lead the county uh, in in terms of uh, employment, and there's a big draw. You know, we're we're drawing a lot from the metropolitan area. Uh, there's no doubt that Sullivan County is seeing the tourism, even in in terms of uh, Airbnbs and seasonal rentals and such. Uh, there's a lot of growth there. Yeah, uh, I can just share one stat. I mean, I know that uh, the meeting. Uh, Sullivan Catskills Visitor Association President and CEO Roberta Byron Lockwood had noted that uh, in 2021 we had a new record high according to Empire State Development Tourism Economics for our traveler spending because uh, with tourism everything's a year behind as far as getting the data um, so this new record high is 710 million which um, was higher than the previous one I believe it was in 2020 which was 578 million so um, you know shows that there continues to be a lot of tourism dollars spent in the Catskills. Uh, I'm not a tourism expert by any means, um, but I think that, you know, one thing that I think our area has probably benefited from is that we still continue to see worldwide travelers, but with inflation and a lot of the other issues that were going on kind of starting in the summertime and whatnot, we tend to find that people who go on vacation um, aren't necessarily going to go as far. They're going to try to look for things are a little bit closer, but still far enough Mm -hmm. away to get that sort of vacation feel. So there is some thought that that could be aiding some of, you know, what we might see with the traveler spending that's not out yet, which is for next year. But that's really all, you know, I have as far as the tourism sector. Yeah. Um, So we've been following tourism as it affects housing throughout the year. A, A lot of the increased, like, this is one of the first years where sales tax revenue has increased above property tax revenue. It might be actually the first year now that I'm thinking about it. And a lot of that is off the back of like increased short-term rentals like Airbnb and Verbo, uh, where people are renting out either rooms in their homes or entire homes as these little like private hotels. Um, 
Sullivan County has specifically gone after Airbnbs in 2022. I think it started in 2021, but continuing into 2022 to try and get them to pay their fair share of the room tax. Yes, yes. And at the, this stat was collected earlier in the year, so it's not quite accurate pr- probably to now, but as of earlier in the year, 36% of the room tax revenue collected this year came from those kind of short-term rentals. So it's... It's affecting a lot. It's a, it, it's a positive yeah. for the economy. And yeah. uh, beyond that, even earlier this year when all of these redistricting maps were being uh, argued and debated and all, the fact that a lot of the residences within the western part of the county uh, are apparently... Uh, a lot of Airbnb and temporary residents like that, it, it affected the weight of a lot of these legislative districts. So, it, uh, yeah. you know, that, too, became an, an issue as to the way the makeup of Sullivan County. Well, it, it is also, I think, an issue in terms of just the overall health of the county and the overall health of the county's housing stock. Uh, there was a report that a consultant put together for the legislature this year on the county's housing market. And it identified that a decreasing percentage of like people living in their own homes. Uh, it was 62% of homes occupied by resident households in 2000, down to 65% in 2020. So as Airbnbs sort of increase, and as people can make more money by renting out their apartments or their homes as Airbnbs instead of as short apartment rentals or as just homes for people, right. it makes housing a lot less affordable for um, for the yeah, average person. Yeah. Um, one of the things that John Little has pointed out talking about uh, Sullivan County's low health rankings, uh, this one of the reports that came out I think that ranks Sullivan County like 58 out of 62 in New York State. Right. Identified housing as one of the main issues that was holding Sullivan County back. So the county is, is putting a lot of effort into improving that. Um, but that is sort of one of the issues that is holding back Sullivan County's health. And since you mentioned ha- health rankings, we all know about the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation annual report. And again, uh, we're reminded that Sullivan County is ranked, we're ranked just above the Bronx, and we've been in that ranking for several years now. Obviously, there's an awareness. The Opioid Task Force is doing its part to uh, better the community, and if bettering the community means you know, uh, going out and, and training more people on how to use Narcan and a lot of the mental health issues that are out there, Organizations such as Sullivan 180 targeting uh, youth, teen issues within the county. To that, the task force is, has yeah. added several elements. They're they, trying to find the right approach to making the situation better here in Sullivan County. Yeah, I'll, I can start on, I'll start with the, the bad stuff, and then we'll get into some of the more positive. So sure. on the bad side of it, I mean, Liam and I go to, and when you watch these legislation meetings, and we always hear Albie Bachman, the county coroner, uh, come up and talk about the statistics of, of opioid deaths, of the total number of deaths that occur every month. And usually it's about 20 to 25%. Right. And he talks about how it just it doesn't stop and how these paramedics are going out there. They're seeing the same people and it's just 
Uh, and then on top of that, you know, fentanyl has continued to rise as far as the amount in Sullivan County. And uh, so we had a couple of drug busts this year. Uh, nationwide, I think uh, the DEA reported earlier this week that they've uh, recovered enough fentanyl across the country that could kill, dosage-wise, every single American. Um, so that's the scary stuff. Um, as far as what, you know, the Sullivan County Drug Task Force is doing, uh, we'll start with, number one, the uh, Attorney General for the state of New York, Tisha James, has continued to go after opioid manufacturers and distributors uh, for settlement monies. Uh, that money is starting to trickle into our communities. Uh, John Little, the Health and Human Services Commissioner, uh, actually detailed um, at legislature recently, and I'm sure the whole report is on the county's website, sort of a plan on how the county plans to spend that money. A lot of it is on preventative and uh, educational measures. I know they're talking about things like Narcan vending machines and, and different types of, of measures on that mm -hmm. sense. But I'll touch on two really big deals for the county. Um, and we were all at both of these things. So we'll start with the, the cold months uh, uh, back in... January of last year, the beginning of the year, we were all standing out behind the government center uh, when the attorney general was here to announce that the uh, Department of Community Services here had contracted with Bridge Back to Life, uh, who've been providing uh, outpatient treatment to recovering individuals uh, in a mobile health unit. And this mobile health unit has had a schedule. It's going to different town facilities across the county. I mean, so it's bringing treatment to individuals who mm -hmm. might have transportation issue they're not making there. The other big deal is um, the Lexington Center for Recovery back in October opened its first ever methadone dosing unit in the whole state uh, in Sullivan County in Monticello and it's right below the district attorney's office on Hamilton Avenue um, and that's just another tool for people to get treatment which is good. They also mentioned at that press conference that they're planning on bringing a second dosing unit to the county, and this one will be located somewhere on the county's Liberty campus. So while there's a lot of uh, smaller components or, or, or like all part of the task force, like literally all these different components of people that are doing various different things, the mobile treatment unit, uh, and then also the, um, uh, the methadone dosing unit, um, which recently opened, I think are two of the bigger, like, pieces of the puzzle Definitely. um you know no one really got the hand on it but um you know and as far as you know, being best you can do at this juncture you know and try that, and that, uh, that actually serves a, a dual purpose in that it it also saves the county a lot of money medical transportation a lot of these individuals that needed treatment they were literally being taken to uh i believe newburgh was probably one of the the more regional uh, methadone treatment centers that were available. So uh, the fact that we're able to bring treatment programs like those to Sullivan County is, is certainly convenient and uh, and really a cost savings to the overall uh, treatment programs that are available here. You know, as we wrap up here, maybe we can just speak a little bit to what's ahead for the new year, 2023, because there are a lot of projects that uh, we've heard about in 2022, but they're they're just coming to fruition and we're looking ahead to, you know, some changes within the community. One particular one that comes to mind is, uh, you know, Sullivan 180, Sullivan Renaissance, who again are also focusing on, uh, on youth in the community, are planning to kind of restructure 
and and become one entity and uh, and approach you know many of these issues in in a slightly different way the emphasis seems to be at least from from founder Sandra Gary and and what she's said about it so far is uh, the issue seems to be to really focus on on youth and those those growing up within our community so um, what are some of the other maybe we can just speak about some of the other topics organizations issues that we'll be looking at for 2023 well I know that um, I guess well I know in the town of Fallsburg Lock Sheldrake is an area to look at because um, you were speaking about investments with the college and such so the legislature not only invested in the Sullivan Promise Scholarship, but they've also uh, committed some funds, I think up to $20 million, uh, for the building of an aquatic uh, center and recreational facility on SUNY Sullivan's campus, which could be a very big thing for the area because we don't really have a community pool, per se, uh, for the county or, or aquatic facility. And also it has a lot of potential, you know, once you have a facility like that, you can open it up to people having events and all kinds of other stuff. But on the side note of that, the town of Fallsburg, their board and stuff with that in mind is looking at ways to kind of bolster the Lock Sheldrake business district or try to look into, into that side of it. Um, I know when you look at Fallsburg, uh, you know, Hurleyville's got a lot of development going on now, yeah. you know, between that and then looking at Lock Sheldrake, those are a couple areas to be, to be pointed to but the only other thing i would have to wrap things up as far as the biggest thing i think that'll be on me and liam's mind is the fact that as i mentioned earlier all nine county legislative seats are going to be up uh and uh, it's going to be interesting uh because i mean you have that um which uh, you never know because they don't have staggered terms or anything so all nine are going to be up at once oh, yeah. you know it'll be interesting to see who's going to run who's not going to run again uh, and on top of that, we're going to have a district attorney's race. Uh, I know that Brian Connedy, currently 30 years old, is going to be the acting district attorney. Um, so he's going to have an opportunity to take over that office and uh, kind of, you know, show up to the public um, to get to, little, to know about him a little bit and such. Because next November, we will have a special election for district attorney. But I've heard rumblings. I'm not going to say any names because of... Uh, I confirmed this time that there are people that are, might be looking to primary him yes. and uh, might be looking to run. So it's going to be, I think that'll be a very interesting race to watch as well. And of course, I think, I think County clerk is up too. So it will be interesting to see who runs uh, Russell. I'm sure, you know, is the current County clerk. We'll see if anyone comes out to run against him. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be a very, very busy year. Yes, you know, I, I could complain all about looking at maps and whatnot, but you know, I don't think our heads spin any more than they do when we have these uh, legislature races, uh, you know, taking place. So that's, well, that's my... We had, we had a very successful uh, debate, we being uh, Joe Abraham and I with the Sullivan County Democrat and, uh, and Radio Bold News. Joe and I will have to put our heads together as a that we'll be able to cover all nine legislative races. It'll we're we're going to have one of those like call one eight hundred twenty four hour like uh, marathon things maybe, and just maybe. like Le- Liam like just don't to, sleep. You need this don't sleep. We just sit up there for twenty four hours straight and just keep. Yeah, it's like just come on in and we'll ask you some questions. Liam, your thoughts on twenty twenty three? Yeah, a lot of the things we've talked about today are or in this episode are going to 
continue into 2023, like Hughes Energy, like the FIMFO project, um, opioids, unfortunately, will continue to be an issue. One of the things I'll be curious to follow is just the impact the general economy has on Sullivan County. Mm-hmm. As Sullivan County was putting together its 2023 budget, I believe one of the things Josh Potosik, the county manager, said was where this budget is um, sort of trying to spend and it's trying to do good things for the county, but we're also aware that there's a potential recession on the horizon. And Sullivan has had a good couple of years in terms of sales tax revenue and in terms, like we just talked about earlier, in terms of the people visiting the county with there being potential economic downturn on the horizon. I am not big-brained enough to know whether that's going to impact Sullivan County or how, but I will be very interested to follow that and to listen to the big-brained people who are sort of more closely tied into what kind of an impact that's going to have. That's a very good point. And there was a lot of give and take during the budget process between the legislators, especially I'm thinking of uh, Joe Perello, who is looking at uh, uh, increased uh, budgeting for road and bridge projects. Uh, There was a lot of talk about how much of a a padding, so to speak, that the county should have uh, within this upcoming budget because of the potential for uh, an economic downturn of some kind. So it will be interesting to see. But these days, I agree with you, Liam, I certainly don't have the mind. Very well-educated economists, I think, are, are still at odds with each other as to what's going to happen in this economy within the course of the next 12 or 18 months. It's, uh, it seems to be very unpredictable for sure. So we will see where that takes us. We're going to wrap it up here. Thanks so much, Liam Mayo from The River Reporter, Joe Abraham, Sullivan County Democrat. Thanks for the conversation. Always always fun to sort of uh, look at the past and, and maybe make some predictions for the future here in our year in review for 2022. Thank you. Guys. Oh, thanks, for ha- thanks for having us and happy new year to all of the listeners out there. Happy 2023, yes. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Radio Bold News Pod. This is Mike Sakel. I'll be back soon with more conversations that you can find on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts, and always at RadioBold.com.